Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, December 13th by lead pastor Rod Heppel. This is the second message in our sermon series entitled Christmas Spirit, Advent 2020. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. Last Sunday, Pastor Rob kicked off our Advent series, which we've called The Christmas Spirit, with an excellent message on hope. Now, if you missed that sermon, or any sermon, you can go to our website where you can watch all of the services that we've recorded in the past. The Christmas spirit, what is it really? So that's what we're looking at. I'm sure every single one of us, you know, are into our Christmas spirit, watching our Christmas movies. Maybe you have your favorite ones. Most of them focus on all the the joy and the sunshine and the good stuff that happens around Christmas. But every once in a while, you get those ones that have an opposite approach, a different take on Christmas, like the Grinch or like the Cranks. If you've ever seen the movie Christmas with the Cranks, you know that Mr. Crank tries to convince Mrs. Crank to skip Christmas just for one year in order to save some money. They're going to take a cruise instead, and they're still going to come out uh, financially ahead. But Mr. Crank emphasizes that his wife needs to understand this one important thing. It's an all-or-nothing deal. We skip Christmas completely. Well, there's one problem. And the problem is they can't beat the Christmas spirit. In the end, friends, family, generosity wins out. And it even ends with a little tearful act of kindness that can soften the heart of Ebenezer Scrooge. There are for sure some values around the Christmas spirit that we share with our broader culture. Uh, Things like I've just mentioned there, spending time with family, friends, and being generous to others. All of those are good things. But have you ever noticed how our good intentions of bringing a little cheer can quickly go sideways? There's like this negative side to the Christmas spirit. It can become too busy. You can spend too much money. You encounter ungrateful people who are grumpy. You yourself get tired and grumpy. And then you find yourself feeling more humbug than you would really want to admit at Christmas. Often the joy of Christmas is lost. You start off to make a, a memory with your family and it turns into a fight. You go to give a thoughtful gift and, well, it's the wrong one. The work party has too much drinking and people act like idiots. There's more loneliness than friendship and maybe more disappointment than enjoyment. The joy of Christmas is lost. It gets sucked right out of Christmas. The truth is, for a lot of people, the Christmas spirit is a bit fragile. It can truly be filled with goodness and kindness and generosity and all those things that Christ would say those are great things. Or, in a moment, it can turn sour. It can lead to a hurtful moment. And then bitterness and brokenness enters. So, today, we're looking at joy as one of the Advent candles that reminds us that Jesus came into the world to bring us great joy. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The birth of Jesus was that good news, and it would cause great joy for all people. And it can still have that effect on us today. But as we know, so often joy can seem elusive. I mean, what is it actually? I'm sure that you've heard various teachings on this over the years. You know, we talk about happiness, and it's distinguished from joy. Uh, Maybe you've heard something like uh, happiness is that feeling that comes and goes, kind of the ups and downs according to how life is going. But joy is this inner constant feeling that is stable, no matter what your life circumstances. Now, I don't disagree with that distinction from a biblical understanding, but I wonder 
how much of that kind of joy, that stable constantness is actually true in my life? I mean, aren't we prone to feeling joy when good things happen and feeling sad when things go wrong? How does a person actually have joy when life circumstances are hard, when things go wrong? A marriage breaks up. Maybe it's even your first Christmas and you're separated. Or you have a loved one and they're facing like severe health crisis at this time, or you yourself are. Um, or, or you have a loved one that's no longer there because they've passed away. And this might be your first Christmas alone. Or their 10th or your 20th, and it doesn't matter because you still miss them so greatly. There could be mounting financial pressures. The loss of a job, the loss of a business, and maybe due to COVID. Or a child or a grandchild who's not walking with the Lord. They're caught up in drugs and addiction and other poor decisions in life that lead to brokenness. There's, there's just a host of things that can be hard. And if we're honest with ourselves, we ask the question, how does a person experience joy when life is hard? We know there's no sense trying to manufacture a feeling that we just don't have. You can't just like talk yourself into joy or to sing the song, don't worry, be happy. That approach to disappointment and loss is not really an honest expression of joy. Merriam-Webster in the dictionary gives us a definition for joy and happiness, which actually sounds kind of similar to each other. So this is how they give the definition of joy. 1A, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. And 1B, to experience great pleasure or delight, which they call rejoice. Now, a definition of happiness that they give is a state of well-being and contentment, joy. So they define happiness with the word joy. And then B, a pleasurable or satisfying experience. You know, so if you look at those dictionary definitions from their standpoint, it's pretty hard to make out really what is the significant difference between the two. That said, biblically speaking, there is a difference. And, and Paul is the one most often quoted on this. In Philippians 4.4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, he's saying this while he's in prison, waiting trial, and eventually facing his own death because of his faith. He went on to say, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So that kind of sounds a bit like a description of what it means to rejoice in the Lord or to rejoice in the Lord always. That rejoicing comes from the strength that God gives you. He is the one who allows us to feel and experience something in hard situations. So in the Christmas story, we see places where it speaks about joy. And I want us to take a minute and look at some of those because I was reading it this week looking for those aspects. So the first one, in Luke chapter 1, when Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant at the time with John the Baptist, it says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then a little bit after that, it says that Elizabeth, as soon as she heard the sound um, of the greeting of Mary and it reached her ears, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Then six months later, when John the Baptist was born uh, in Luke 1 again, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. So we see joy around that, which is exactly what you would expect when the circumstances are exciting and good. People are sharing in the happiness and joy of Elizabeth. 
Then when Jesus was born and Joseph and Mary took him to the temple, you might remember that there they met two people, Simeon, a devout righteous man. And when Simeon took him, Jesus, in his arms, he praised God. Now that sounds like joy, right? And then the second, on the heels of of meeting Simeon, secondly, they met Anna, who was a prophetess in the temple. And when she saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God. And that too sounds pretty joyous. Then there were the Magi. These were the ones who had traveled for hundreds of kilometers, coming from the east, coming to Jerusalem, looking for the child who was born king of the Jews. Now, in Matthew's gospel, it's recorded for us in chapter 2, where they say, after they had heard the king, that's Herod, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So, so far in this story, we have Elizabeth sensing her baby leaping for joy, the friends of Elizabeth sharing in her joy at the birth of John the Baptist, Simeon and Anna praising and giving thanks to God, and the Magi who finally, finding Jesus, were overjoyed. So you can see that this story talks a lot about joy. But the clearest mention of joy in the Christmas story that I found is when the angels announce, or the angel announces to the shepherds, This is when the shepherds are still taking care of their flocks in their field, this announcement. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, I want to stop and look at this verse because I think there's something in here about joy that we can take and apply to our lives today. The joy is caused by the good news. It's the result of something good. And while that's not new to our thinking It is good to be reminded that joy is not something that I conjure up or try uh, to cause to be there to produce it myself. It's something that comes from outside of myself and is produced in me. And that something is called the good news. And that good news is explained in the very next verse that follows verse 10. Verse 11 says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, so the good news was the coming of Jesus into this world as the Savior to save us from sin and death. He's the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, which means he's the unique one, the one and only Son of God. And in his anointing, he's also in the line of David and therefore will fulfill the promise of God that King David's throne would always reign forever. And he's the Lord in the sense that he's the creator and he's the one who is worthy of worship. So all of that together is the good news. And all of that will cause great joy for all the people. Knowing this good news, which we call the gospel, was the foundation for Paul's understanding of his experience with joy. He knew that this feeling in his soul, this joy, was based on something, and it was based on the promise of God that Jesus came into this world to forgive sins and to give us eternal life. And then, as a guarantee of that, the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. So that's the foundation of Paul's experience uh, with joy while facing trials in life. In his teaching in Galatians chapter 5, He says that it's the work of the Holy Spirit who produces these spiritual things within us. He calls it spiritual fruit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of those kinds of things. Now, joy is one of those spiritual fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we live in obedience to him. That's how it works. Now, it doesn't work by magic where it just kind of happens. It happens in relationship with God when we obey him. 
Here's how I see it working. So you feel anger and you want to lash out. And the Holy Spirit reminds you of patience. You submit to the Spirit and he produces patience in you. Or you feel hopeless. You're in a hard circumstance and you feel trapped and there's no future. And the Holy Spirit says to you, I am with you and I never leave you. And you choose to trust God in that hard situation and he gives you peace and joy that you know can only come from him. You didn't produce it. The good news is Jesus. And when we focus on him, he causes us to have joy. You, you can't choose joy, but you can choose what you focus on. That's what Jesus did when he was facing the cross. And Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy? For the joy set before him? What joy? Well, it wasn't the cross. That wasn't his joy. It was the joy of obeying God, knowing that the will of the Father would bring about an outcome that would produce salvation, which would be this great joy for all people. Jesus brings joy to the hard realities of life. Blair Plumridge was familiar with the hard realities of life. As you may know, he passed away a couple of weeks ago on November 25th. We held a small memorial and graveside service for him on December 4th. And there's a recording of the memorial service on our website if you would like to watch that. I want to tell you a bit of Blair's story. He was only 56 years old when he passed away. And he suffered from a neurological disease called multiple sclerosis, MS. Now, he met the love of his life, Bernadine, and in his mid-30s, he married her just over 20 years ago. And on their honeymoon, he had his first episode of blindness, which led to them getting further tests to find out what was going on, and eventually they discovered that he had MS. Now, Blair lived 20 of his 21 years of marriage with MS, and that's not exactly what he'd envisioned for him and Bernadine in their married life. In the last 15 years, his disease moved quickly, rendering him pretty much immobile for the last 10 years, the final 10 years of his life. And then, if that were not enough trials for life, less than five years ago, Bernadine's cancer returned, and her health declined rapidly. And within six months, she too had passed away on January 25th, 2017. Now, at this point, Blair's desire to live had faded. With no children of their own, having only one estranged immediate family member still alive, there wasn't much left for Blair to hold on to here in this world. Now, as you can imagine, he wanted to go there and be with Bernadine and be with Jesus because there just wasn't much here. And who could blame him, right? But he did live. And he lived to see a better day. And that's the part I want to share with you. It was about a year after Bernadine had passed away that Blair wrestled with God about this not dying part. Much like Jacob wrestled with God and wanted an answer from God and wouldn't let him go until he had one, Blair too was wrestling with God and would not let him go until he had an answer on his question of life and death. And he got it. His answer was this that God was in control of his life and his death, and that God had plans and purposes for Blair as long as Blair was alive. Blair never again questioned God on that topic. He switched his focus from dying to living. In fact, he got a tattoo that he put on his arm, which read, where there's life, there's hope. And you know, I'd say that where there's hope, there's joy, because that's what I saw in the change in Blair. If God had given Blair life, then he would live. And he would live on purpose, seeking God for what it is that his plans and purposes were for him. 
Now, Blair shared that story with me about two and a half years ago. And each time after that, that I went in to visit him, I was amazed at his incredibly positive attitude. But I would say that it was more than just a choosing to be positive. It was something that came from his focus on Jesus and his trust in God. It was joy. On Thanksgiving Day this, this year, he wrote his sister-in-law a note to read to Bernadine's family. And he was answering the question, what am I thankful for? I'm very thankful for the love and peace of Jesus, which is what allows me to get through each day. That's what he sent. For those who visited Blair, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you would have seen his joy and his peace and his good-natured spirit in the, in the face of suffering. You would have seen it too. But about six months ago when I visited Blair, he asked me that at his funeral service if I would speak on James chapter 1, which says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> really, I thought? You don't want a chapter from Lamentations or a lament psalm from David? No, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow. I mean, how do you have joy when life circumstances go bad? And quite frankly, I don't know because I don't have a whole lot to go on, but Blair did. And Blair spoke about his focus on Jesus, which produced joy. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people a Savior has been born. Good news for a person like Blair? Yes. Yes. The Savior has come into the world that he created. The world which is now trapped in darkness and sin and suffering. He's come into that world to save us from it for eternity. That's the good news. That's what Blair knew. In Revelation 21, the Apostle John wrote down the vision that Jesus gave him about what was to come in eternity. So here's how John describes it in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Then he goes on to say, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is why the angel said the birth of Jesus was good news that would cause great joy because Jesus came to give us something much better than this world. And it's only when we keep our focus on Jesus that we will live with that mindset of eternity, right? Eternity in mind. That's what brings joy. The true Christmas spirit is love, joy, peace, and it's all found in Jesus. The Christmas spirit is about finding God in the middle of all of your facing, good stuff and bad, allowing his presence in you to be redemptive in any situation you find yourself. Jesus brings joy to the hard realities of life. Are you letting him do this both to you, in you, and through you, to those around you? That's my desire for you this Christmas, that you will find Jesus Christ to be real in your own life, and that through you, you'll realize that he's using you to be a person to bring joy to others this Christmas. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for Christmas for the coming of Jesus Christ, for that announcement of the angels that said this is good news that will bring or cause great joy for all people. And it's because Christ is the Savior. I would ask that you give us um, strength through the Holy Spirit 
to realize how it is that you want us to be different in these situations we find ourselves these days, how we might be people who bring the joy of Christ into whatever our reality is right now. So empower us to be those kind of people, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here are our discussion questions for today. How have you understood what joy is? Two, is there a time when you felt joy while going through a hard time? And how did you find God's presence in the middle of that? And then lastly, what would it look like for you to bring the joy of Christ into your world this Christmas? God bless you as you talk those through, and we trust that you'll join us right here again next Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.